I'm Teffer. And I'm Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of the area. So this week, we are not talking about a book, as you probably know, because you clicked on this episode. Uh, Today, we are returning to a series that we know and love, The Babysitter's Club. Next, next, next flicks, you know, the well-known video streaming site, Nextflix, Netflix. God, we're off to a great start here. Great start here, folks. Um, Netflix just released the second season within the last few months, I guess. I binged it Mm -hmm. promptly. And really, we we review this one because it is exciting to find other YA media. You know, we're in a time uh, where YA media is taking off. And we're seeing a lot of really good representation, really good, solid, well-done youth media. And it is fun to talk about that sometimes. So, Bailey, now did you read? I did not. I was a, I was much more of a, I was a Pony Pals and Animal Arc and like occasionally Magic Treehouse tween, Mm -hmm. not a Babysitter's Club tween. Mm -hmm. Although ironically, I did a lot of babysitting. Well, I too did a lot of babysitting and did not read Babysitter's Club. Okay. I had a funny, I don't, I don't totally know where it came from, but I had a funny kind of disdain for a lot of the like, ensemble series books like that Mm, like like the as in like ensemble cast well like there was babysitters club but there were like other books kind of around the same era that were like about a group of friends who do things Mm, and they're pony pals yeah and there would be like a whole bunch of books of them yeah Um, well in that era of like pulp like tween pulp fiction. Exactly. And I, like I'm thinking of Nancy Drew, which is not ensemble mm. cast, but like kind of falls into the same. I, I, It must have come from like my parents or my older siblings or something. But I remember just Fair. being like, oh, those aren't good books and not reading them mm. as a child. So yeah, except for the boxcar children, I read all of those because there's nothing, you know, a book has to be gritty to be good. And what's grittier <laughs> than child abandonment? Um <laughs> So I did not read them, but I also did a lot of babysitting. And now that I've watched the TV series, I feel like I can't read the books because they're not going to be as good. Yeah, like <laughs> the the impression that I have is that the TV series like like took some good concepts from the books, but like probably improved on them a lot. And like, I mean, they're also like they're Pulp Fiction written for like 12 year olds. So they're probably not <laughs> the greatest quality of literature. Um, <laughs> but that's the whole point is that it doesn't have to be not everything True. has to be and quite no. frankly quite a lot of the literature that we consider not pulp or not the kind of literature that we consider good literature is really just written by a man or a white woman True. and Absolutely. so it gets to be good fiction 
Um, whereas, and it gets to be printed on good paper and et cetera, et cetera. I think some of the best authors currently writing are YA authors. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because I produced this podcast. However, oh. uh, <laughs> let's talk about Babysitter's Club. So season mm-hmm. one kind of established the main cast. We got a sense of who they mm-hmm. were. There were some transitions going on. There was Christy's mom getting married. There was Claudia's relationship with her grandmother and figuring out herself as an artist. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Marianne uh, establishing some independence. God, I love her dad so much. We're going to talk yeah. about that some more. This season, it's kind of fun. It's a, you know, a second season where we get to see those main characters flesh out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And also there's some new characters, including... Yeah. Uh, Mallory and... Um, Dawn. No, Dawn. No, is- Dawn. We, we already had Dawn. It's um, Mallory and uh, Jesse. Both really fun. Jesse, I think, gets fleshed out more than Mallory. Mallory, we yeah. Mallory, I think, will still have her storyline. So Mallory queer, mm-hmm. yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Mallory's gonna be our queer one. Mallory's not the only queer. No, one, Dawn in is my bi. opinion. Dawn is by. I also don't think Christy is a straight girl. But oh no, 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 no. I also, I'm not even sure Christy's a girl, to be honest. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yes. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but Mallory, we think, is also gay. I, I think oh, Mallory yeah. has got to be gay. I really appreciated, let's just jump right in. I really appreciated mm-hmm. Mallory's character exploring some of the issues of class and wealth. Because yeah. that, that was just kind of a little surprise for me. Because mm-hmm. something about the Babysitter's Club that you just accept is that they're all pretty wealthy and they live in this wealthy suburban area. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of money. Even like Dawn and her single mom who are supposed to be like a little less wealthy have a beautiful house right like uh, yeah and like christy's family was supposed to be more sort of like working class in the first season and they like talked about that a little bit and there was some like tension with the like different financial backgrounds but then that is just sort of resolved in this series because she has a a very wealthy stepdad which is nice to see i like to see i liked the storyline with her mom i like seeing her mom getting all this happiness and i definitely want to dig into that family's storyline that happens because there's some beautiful Mm -hmm. things they do but there's this scene where the babysitters club decides to throw a party for mallory's little sibling Mm -hmm. and they're all going like oh yeah we should do this and we should do this and and she's just going like guys this costs a lot of money who's paying for this and just Mm -hmm. kind of like freaking out about it and has this little moment of just like how can you all do this because Mallory comes from a large family like we haven't seen her home life yet but we get the sense that we see it in the first season oh do we because there remember the um the two the, the episode where um uh, Stacy and Marianne do the beach babysitting, and Stacy has the whole very embarrassing thing where she is in love with a seventeen-year-old boy. Yeah, um, and they're babysitting for the family with a million children. Okay, that's Mallory's family. Interesting. That's when we okay. meet Mallory. Okay. Um, that is Mallory's million siblings. Okay. So okay, so she's like you know moderately. <laughs> moderately poor Um, but uh I just appreciated seeing that and seeing that kind of like because that was something that like 
I recognized mm-hmm. from various moments in my life of just being like, oh, you all have a very different relationship to resources than I do. Um, and I thought that was nice to have that, to have that yeah. fit in. Yeah, absolutely. So which major storyline do you want to start with? Should we go in episode order? Sure. Yeah, let's, let's do that. The first season is like, meh. Oh, they talk about like Marianne's. I mean, it's good, but there were, there weren't like one of the storylines that like thrilled me. But it is yeah. kind of cute when they're figuring out like Marianne's relationship status and yeah. being like, that's actually a thread that moves throughout this season that we yeah. can talk about is Marianne, uh, Marianne's like first relationship. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of really like good stuff that happens with that. It is. It's really nice. I really like the. Um... There's a scene, I mean, this isn't in the first episode, it's later on, mm-hmm. where they end up accidentally on a double date with her dad. Oh, it's so good. I really like when she talks to her dad about going on a date. And we yeah. see, like, I love the parents, I've said this before, I love the parent storylines in this. And the parent mm-hmm. storylines are written for parents, right? Like, this is written yeah. as a family show. There's really yeah. something for everybody there. And I love seeing... Marianne's dad like he responds to her really really well when she asks to go mm-hmm. on a date and then she's like dad what <laughs> what just happened and he's like Marianne I have been preparing for this with my therapist for months I love it so much particularly because <laughs> it shows how their relationship yeah. has evolved even though Marianne like hasn't completely like she worked so hard for it but hasn't quite realized because yeah. that whole thing is precipitated with Marianne being like I don't have to solve this problem. My dad will just say no and solve it for me. And I don't have to make any choices. And then then she is surprised and then she has to sort of figure out. Yeah. But I was so, I was so touched. I mean, I love the honesty. I love how open her dad is with her about like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really just trying to figure this out. Um, And that dovetails really nicely with her dad navigating this relationship with Don's mom and also Don and Marianne getting all these ideas about their relationship based on kind of what they think a grown-up relationship should do right so Mm -hmm. this season starts with Marianne and Don being just convinced that Marianne's dad is going to propose to Don's mom yeah and to be fair Part of that is because they keep making these big dramatic announcements about nothing because they're excited about making decisions mm-hmm. together and they're overdoing it. But it's mm-hmm. it's very cute to see this kind of, we get to see the teenage assumption storyline running right along the actual adult storyline where it's like, mm-hmm. we don't even live together yet. Like, yeah. we're, we're, we're not, like, we're reconnecting. We have been dating less than a year. We are not going to get married right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Dawn yeah. and Marianne jumping the gun and getting all excited about being sisters. And then, you know, having to live together for a week and driving each other up the wall. Yeah, a lot of, like, this show has very good, like, conflict resolution modeling, which I really like. Yeah, I Um, always love a show where people get in fights and then remain friends. Yeah, and, like, and, like, we get to see them, like, getting in fights and not dealing with it well, but then, like, figuring out how to then deal with it well and and be better. Mm -hmm. Um... And there's just, there's a lot of good, like, going back to Marianne and the 
the romance stuff. Like, there's also some very good dadding around, like, helping her figure out her whole thing. Like, um, just the, like, well, why didn't you actually, like, talk to him? (laughs) Like, he is still a person you can talk to. (laughs) The part that made me just weep, though, well, the parts, Mm -hmm. really, that made me just weep, are all of the kind of step-parent things that happen. There's a couple of them. Mm. One is Marianne's dad reaching out to Dawn. Yes. And saying, you know, I can also be here for you. And the other one is, uh, oh, I feel like I should give that heads to you. We're bouncing all over the place. We're not going in episode order anymore. Uh, No. (laughs) But at the end of this season the season finale Mm -hmm. and if you don't want a spoiler of the season finale go watch the whole show it will take you three hours um yeah and it's wonderful (laughs) so and you'll cry but (laughs) there's this tradition of the baby parade that's happening and um out of nowhere christy's dad who has not appeared at any point in the show no calls up and says I'm going to be there and I want to see you all and I have a new girlfriend and I'm having a new baby and we're going to be a family mm-hmm. and Christy's older brothers don't want to see him and Christy doesn't want to really want to see him but she's kind of debating it and it's this whole thing where her mom is handling it really well I think by saying mm-hmm. like this is entirely up to you I will not make you see him I will not make you not see him like this is mm-hmm. this is up to you yeah because he, he just walked out on them several years before and has stayed very sporadically in touch and Christy's in the baby parade and Christy's new stepdad is in the baby parade and Christy mm-hmm. has kind of been holding her stepdad at arm's length through the whole show really she's it's new she's adjusting and she's really at that age right her older brothers are old enough to kind of get it and accept him her younger one younger brother yeah Um, she has a younger brother and then watson has a young son so yeah and the the little ones are kind of little enough to be like cool this is a fun new family adventure Mm -hmm. and christy is the one who's just like this is weird this is new yeah i don't know um Mm -hmm. and we get little moments of him what's his name again watson watson thank you we get little moments of watson like trying to reach out to christy throughout the show and christy just not really getting it like she's somebody who really needs you to be very upfront about Mm -hmm. (laughs) your intentions and being kind of sensitive and delicate does not really get through to her but watson (laughs) is understandably trying to be sensitive and delicate so that he doesn't come on too strong right Mm -hmm. and there's just this little dance yeah and then her dad bails Mm -hmm. and she's been spiraling in a way that's eminently familiar to me uh by overdoing doing too much taking Mm -hmm. on too much trying to be extra impressive and everything turning into a disaster which is the anxiety spiral that i know best uh (laughs) and then her dad bails Mm -hmm. and i love that it's the finale of the season yeah season finale is how you say that and, you know, her mom's trying to comfort her and everybody's just kind of like, oh. And then Watson is just like, mm-hmm. excuse me, can I just say 
this is this man bullshit like what like this guy gets to be your dad and he bails continuously are you kidding you are the best kids in the world and anybody is lucky to get to be with like to be in your life Mm -hmm. and like yeah this is ridiculous and i can't believe anybody is trying to defend this man because this is outrageous and Mm -hmm. that i have obviously as somebody who is in a blended family like i love seeing good step parent representation Mm -hmm. um yeah and it ends with him asking uh if he can adopt them formally especially christy because she's been the one who's kind of having the most trouble um and it's you know met very positively and it's very beautiful and it's really nice uh, I'm like being very thinking about it. It's, it's, it's a very, so very nice. good moment. It's very well done. But it's really... and it is your very sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Let's just say you're so right. It's like Christy like needs that very, very direct. Like it's like yeah, all of his like small gestures they sort of start to warm up. But like it's it's, it's him just outright being like your dad is an asshole and should not have done this to you and should not keep doing this to you and like mm-hmm. you are worth so much more than that. Which I think mm-hmm. is like the like. Just like what, like exactly what she needed to hear. Exactly what she needed to hear. And I loved it because I think, you know, (sighs) divorce is still a sensitive issue in our Mm -hmm. society. It shouldn't be. It should be normalized. It should be very normalized. Step parenting should be very normalized. It's extremely common. It's like 50% mm-hmm. of families. Like, it's, yeah. it's very, very, very common. And people should normalize it but it is not yet normalized and people treat step-parent relationships with kid gloves because uh, we let the egos of parents determine that instead of the needs of children and it's you know my position is that the more adults who love a child the better right like the more loving caring the more parental figures a child has the better Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of the ways that our society navigates the thing where nuclear parenting breaks down, right? Like Mm -hmm. the nuclear, oh God, I'm getting up on a soapbox here, but like the nuclear family is a new thing. It doesn't really work for human societies and divorce and step parents and blended families are a much more normal thing in human history than we allow them Mm -hmm. to be. Well, like, and just having, like, the idea of having a lot of, like, trusted adults in a kid's life. I think it's, like, we we think that, like, yeah, kids need to only have, like, two adults. And that's, like, the thing. And that it's, yeah. So, I mean, even in situations where parents separate and both parents are involved in loving, which I think in my experience is a more common experience than, Mm -hmm. than Christie's. That's still a good thing. But especially when a kid has one parent who has failed enormously. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time we see adults, we have this narrative of like you have to try and preserve the child's relationship with that parent. And like Mm -hmm. the parent who is not the shitty parent needs to kind of uphold this narrative where like your parent loves you your parent loves you but that doesn't turn into it turns into making excuses for bad behavior which turns into the kid thinking it's okay for them their parent not to treat them right Mm -hmm. and 
it's obviously it's tricky because we need to allow children to love their parents even when their parents are not treating them well like it's important to protect Mm -hmm. your child's love for their parent yeah but I don't think that lying to a child about their parents behavior does them any services and Mm -hmm. sometimes a kid really needs to hear this is not what you deserve you deserve better your dad may love you I know you love him a lot but he should be treating you better and I really for me there's something when it's the step parent saying that especially there's something so meaningful about it you know kids deserve that yeah because it's like it makes I think there is something particular in this situation at least and I think probably generally like it's such a particular role to be able to say that because like coming from her mom it might feel more like you know like her mom's just mad at her dad um for what he did to her right and like we also see christy's friends mirroring the same sentiment um but both both maybe christy doesn't believe them when they say it but also they maybe haven't felt like they're allowed to say it yeah mm-hmm. to christy um because as soon as watson and marianne's like yeah like i have thought this the whole time like <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's something about him being this other adult in her life who cares for her, who can say, like, this is not, like, how he should be treated. This is not how you should be loved. You deserve, you deserve to be loved fully because every child does. And frankly, Mm -hmm. parenting, I mean, I have also said this many times before, maybe on the show, maybe not, but, Mm -hmm. um, Parenting is a role you earn. Nobody is entitled mm-hmm. to be a parent. You know, even if you've... I mean, like, that's uh, that's tricky. That's tricky because then we get into things like child protective services being abusive and stealing mm-hmm. children, which is a, obviously a fraught thing in Canada. But um, just because you have biologically contributed to a child does not mm-hmm. make you a parent. And... Yeah. There are many, many step parents. We were just talking about this with um, things we couldn't say. Step parents are are just monumentally important, and loving mm-hmm. step parents do so much work and get so little recognition, like culturally. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's like some kind of burden to be a step parent, but it's very difficult. It's it's a very difficult role because very often you love that kid as much as you possibly could and they just need time right like mm-hmm. <laughs> like we really see that watson just adores christy and we see that from the beginning that he they yeah. have something special he really thinks that she is a special kid and he really wants to demonstrate to that to her and he mm-hmm. feels like he can't because of the shadow of her dad and so being able to just say to her you deserve better kind of dispels that shadow and Mm -hmm. and allows for them to just love each other the way they do and it's special and I love it and it made me cry yeah (laughs) I mean the other thing that I think so that I love about that storyline so much is I think also like we see even before this like Watson modeling such good step parenting like I think you say that he feels like he can't like like demonstrate to her his love to that degree because of her the shadow of her dad and I think that's true but I think there's also I think he is doing a very deliberate kind of like 
giving just as much as she wants to receive. Yes. Um, which I think is something that like can be really hard for step parents. And I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time on r slash am I the asshole. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you get a lot of posts from like step parents who are like just really, really mad that their stepkids don't like want them to be their mom right away or want them to be their dad right away. And like who try to sort of force themselves yeah. into this parent role, which goes back to what you're saying about nobody like automatically deserves to be a parent. Like yeah. it's something that you have to earn. And I think Watson is a really good example of somebody earning that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like really letting like the kid lead on it. Yeah. And I just, I really like his character. Me too. Yeah. And I like, like, there's the whole storyline where, like, Christy's mom wants to have another baby and isn't getting pregnant. And, like, Christy mm-hmm. accidentally really puts her foot in it. And and they have to navigate that. And, like, that, I really loved that scene coming first. Because that's mm-hmm. the first gesture we see from Christy towards Watson. Of yeah. saying, like, we're a family. And I mm-hmm. think it it establishes something really important for the finale, where yeah, she does absolutely. make the first big dramatic, super wrong footed gesture. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is. It is really good. Yeah. Speaking of parents, however. Jesse. Yeah, there's some really good parent storylines with Jesse that I really like. Um, uh-huh. Both with her own parents and then with the parent of a child that she is taking care of. Yes. The first thing with Jesse, and I uh, related to this storyline real well, Jesse is a dancer. She's a very uh-huh. good dancer. And because she is a very good dancer, she's progressing with her dance career. And because she is progressing with her dance career, she is no longer the star. Because she's moved up kind of a bracket. And now she's, she's you know, hitting in a, in, a, in a more competitive dance bracket. And she is no longer the best dancer. Which, as an adult, you know, means that she's doing well. And she's being raised to another challenge. But she decides this means that she is not good at dance and she should quit and, you know, become a TikTok star. <laughs> um, which I think we've talked a little bit about being gifted children on this show. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole, like, I'm not the best, so I guess I better quit is like uh, 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 something that Mm -hmm. I have struggled with my whole life. Or, you know, in the past, not struggled, but just given into. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And what I really loved about that one is that, like, her parents don't totally get what's going on for a little while. And they're Mm -hmm. like, well, look, we made space for you to dance in our basement. Like, I love her parents. They're like, they're like really clearly very loving very busy very harried parents who are like trying real hard to give their kids everything but also are just really stressed yeah and the first time jesse tells her mom she's quitting ballet to to be a video star her mom is just like what what are you talking about like her response is just i love it so much because it's really just like 
It's like, just, just fucking don't. Just like, don't. Just don't do this. Just don't do this to me right now. Like, uh-huh. Which like, I related to so hard because she was just like, like her first response is like, we have put so much into your dance career that you want it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very like great like sort of like very human but also very good parenting moment because then she does roll it back a little bit and she's like listen if you want to quit dance because you don't like it anymore yeah i will support you but i think that you're doing it because you're upset that you are no longer the best and that's not a good reason to quit no yeah and i like i like that she like she does the right thing i found it just very nice that she like she does the good parenting response but she also does the stressed parenting response and those two things live together and it was nice to just see a parent who is like she sees what's going on and she responds correctly but first she responds in a way that i deeply understand yeah and it was just kind of fun like it's been fun watching these and realizing that i can relate to both the children and the parents Mm -hmm. um in a big way and also just oh my god my daughter is such a christy already (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair (laughs) the other thing that i love about the jesse storyline is i feel like it speaks it has this undercurrent of like speaking directly to this very millennial like urge and phenomenon it probably applies to gen z as well of like nothing is worth doing if you can't monetize it or if you can't like yeah we see the like the like older millennial dad with the gen z son Mm -hmm. just like grinding that yeah yeah and and then i guess the extension of that that's like nothing is worth doing if you're not succeeding at it if Mm -hmm. you're not like building a platform or giving recognition or whatever and we get this this reminder essentially at the end of this that like doing things because you enjoy them is worthwhile yeah and like that is the most important reason to do a thing yeah um and i really i really like that because i think that's a very important like i'm sure it's an important like message for like the kids today and it's also a very important message for our generation Uh, message for me (laughs) (laughs) as i look at our insights and go oh no we're down 40 lessons from last week (laughs) please just listen to our show it helps me (laughs) We, yeah, like, I mean, I definitely, like, we come at this from different perspectives, but it's, like, like, I intentionally, like, don't ask you about our numbers and, like, don't pay attention to them, because I'm, like, I do this because it's fun, and it is one of the only things keeping me from being a total hermit in this day and age. Well, that's something I had to do, so, like, when we, when we went remote in 2020, like, mm-hmm. I really wanted us, I know we've talked about this, I really wanted us mm-hmm. to keep doing it because I knew that it was going to be way too easy to just stop it um, yeah. if we didn't. And I really like this show and, like, I like doing it with you. Um, mm-hmm. But then I got so granular with it and I got so mm-hmm. into tracking the listens and tracking the insights and, like, doing the promotion and trying things. And, like, part of that was me just learning about promotion. But I did, like, this year when we took our hiatus because I was <laughs> burnt the fuck out. <laughs> 
I was like, I need to remember the beginning of this show when we were doing it and I didn't understand and I didn't know how to track our insights and I didn't have SoundCloud downloaded to my phone and I didn't understand how to do Instagram <laughs> and like we yeah. still just did it because it was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to find that balance now. Of, like, mm-hmm. It's yeah. hard. Um, and it's hard for like this economy makes it hard to enjoy things for the sake of enjoying them. God, I got but, a, like I got a targeted ad on Spotify, which maybe other people have also gotten this ad from Tangerine, which is already my bank. Um, <laughs> where they're like, "Hey, we see you making all your side hustles into income generators," and I was just like, "Fuck the fuck off! Fuck all the way off! Fuck off! Fuck off and give me money, Tangerine." <laughs> Uh, anyway yes i haven't Um, gotten that ad but yeah i am like such a convert now to have a day job and let your hobbies be hobbies i mean if you have that privilege like many of us have a day job and our hobbies still have to be side hustles because our day job doesn't pay us enough to live on but like being able to have a day job and let your hobbies be hobbies is such a privilege Mm -hmm. and it's like if you can do that enjoy it yeah. All right. So we didn't talk about Claudia at all, and we should talk yes. briefly about Claudia, and then probably wrap up. Mm-hmm. I want I want to <sighs> take like a moment to talk about Stacy too. Okay. And then yes. um, yeah. All right. Well, go ahead. Talk about Stacy. We like Stacy. We love Stacy, and I mean, and and Bailey loves the disability storyline. I when um, I was talking to Tom, I was like going over all these episodes beforehand, and I was like, I think Bailey's yeah. gonna want to talk about <laughs> about Stacy. Of course, I'm going to want to talk yeah. about Stacy, because um, like I, I feel Stacy in my very soul. Because St- I mean, Stacy is also just like very Type A, very like perfectionist, um, and Stacy's also disabled. And as many people who are both of those things do, she applies her perfectionism to her illness, and is basically just like I, I can achieve my way out of this affecting me. Um, and but it starts as sort of like, it starts as a coping mechanism for like not being overwhelmed by it. Right. But then it becomes, it gets cemented into this. Well, then like, this is what I have to do. And I will be a failure if I can't, like, if I'm not the perfect patient and if I don't perfectly manage everything. And we see like how much pressure gets put on her because of this. We, we see people throwing around, like, you know, like describing her as a mini adult and stuff. And then it's finally, but it's like, she's 13. She shouldn't have to have all of this pressure on her. And also, like, needs to know that, like, it's okay to be sick and to not be perfect at managing that. Yeah. And, um, and I just think that that's really important. Yeah, I thought it was really, really nicely handled. I appreciated yeah. her doctor stepping in to, like, advocate for her and talk to her parents for her and remind them, mm-hmm. like, yes, she's handling this very well, but she's a kid. Um, and, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to keep an eye on her. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was yeah. nice to see a good doctor. <laughs> Yeah, and the other thing that I do really like about that episode, just really quickly, is we also see Stacy like acting badly because of sort of side effects mm-hmm. from her condition and stuff, and we see her taking ownership of that, um, which I really like. I think is really important because like when you are, 
I mean, like, Stacey's bad moods are, like, also directly caused by her blood sugar, but, like, a lot of, like, being chronically ill can, like, mess with your moods and, like, being in pain all the time makes you have a lot shorter temper and stuff. And, like, those are things that, like, you can acknowledge and, like, sort of, like, ask for understanding for, but you also, I think, need to, like, own that your behavior is still your responsibility. Um, even if, like, understanding that there are factors that are, like, contributing to it. And I think that Stacey does a good job of that. And I, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I admire that as well. And, like, as Mm -hmm. I, I have hypoglycemia and always have, I'm on medication for it for the first time in my life. And it's such a game changer. My God. But, like, for moods, it's just like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, be gentle with the people with hypoglycemia or in your life because oh boy um but I appreciated that as well that she's Mm -hmm. like learning to synthesizing all of the factors of yourself is such a big Mm -hmm. job and it's an even bigger job when some of the factors of yourself are things that are out of your control like chronic illness um it's really really challenging to have something that you can't control Mm -hmm. dictate things like your mood and like your response to things and uh, have inconvenient things you have to do throughout the day to to keep yourself functioning like that that fucking sucks it sucks Mm -hmm. for anybody um and especially for an adolescent Mm -hmm. and it makes that process of kind of synthesizing all the things that make you you that much more challenging and it would be nice if more more adults helped youth with that process the way we see Stacy getting helped with that process. Yeah. Um, okay. So Claudia. Claudia. Claudia's storyline is rich and has many things in it. Uh, yeah. One of those things is grief. Um, I mm-hmm. think I don't feel the need to go too deeply into that, but there's like a, a really nice grieving storyline where again she is behaving badly because of things that are outside of her control and everybody is very gentle to her and everybody is very Mm -hmm. very kind and makes space but also then she has to apologize for some things um especially with her sister and this is something we see with claudia a lot that i appreciate about her character the way her character is written Mm -hmm. she's super in her feelings um, yeah. She's super in her feelings and that makes her very sympathetic and it makes her very empathetic, but it can also make her very selfish, uh, mm-hmm. which this is just one of the things about being a hyper emotionally attuned person is mm-hmm. that when your emotions are the loudest in the room, you can end up getting very self-absorbed. Um, <laughs> I say yeah. as somebody who experiences this. Um <laughs> The other thing that it does with Claudia is it makes her kind of, because she experiences everything so loudly and immediately, she has a tendency to think that people who don't, don't have feelings. Oh my God. The central conflict in her relationship with her sister Janine is because Janine does not feel things loudly and immediately the way Claudia does. Claudia fully thinks that Janine does not have feelings. Yeah. Um... (laughs) And is very mean to her as a result, which is like, again, also a process I went through as a kid with friends and 
siblings of like well you're not expressing every emotion as you have it so like how am I supposed to know you have any emotions <laughs> we're a demonstrative Pisces <laughs> but the other side of it is Janine's storyline which is like Janine is gay. It's not a surprise. No. Um, but what what you said like before we recorded is that the fun thing with it, Janine gets a girlfriend, and Claudia doesn't know she's her girlfriend, and is like, "Why is this super cool TikTok star always hanging out with my big sister? Like, what does she get? Like, surely she should she could get more out of me. Like, I'm more interesting and fun and artsy, and like." I should probably make sure she knows that she can hang out with me when she's here. <laughs> and it's just really fun because it's like another example of like where where Claudia's blinders are, right? Like uh-huh. she's we see her as very caring and loving and sympathetic, but also just like sometimes very not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just really nice to also see Janine get this really hot, cool girlfriend and like Yeah. 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 It's great. Yeah, no, I, I love that so much. And it's just it's this beautiful thing where it's like, yeah, like from from the second episode where yeah. where she appears, it's like, oh, oh yeah, okay, this they're is, dating. This is Janine's yeah. girlfriend. They're dating. <laughs> and it's so fun Very clearly. to see TV reflect the universal truth of are they a dork or are they queer? <laughs> Like, like everybody uncool is just gay. Like, it's just time for everybody to, like, understand that. It's not, it's not that we're not cool. It's that we're gay and you don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I also really like the other thing, and I feel like this, like, gives us, like, hints for future seasons, is, like, I can see there being a really interesting, like, oh, and I'm forgetting the girlfriend's name right now. My brain is going Ashley, but I don't think it's Ashley. Ashley. Is it Ashley? I think it's Ashley. I wasn't sure if it was Ashley or if it's just because the actress reminds me of Ashley Woodfolk. <laughs> the actress author. does resemble Ashley she Woodfolk. She does, right? But I think that the character's name is also actually I'm going to Google. Who is Janine's girlfriend on Babysitter's Club? Ashley. It is Ashley. It's Ashley. Okay. Ashley Wyeth. Ashley yes. Wyeth. So it's really close to Ashley Woodfolk too. Like, I feel like there's this great potential for her to sort of like be this like bridge between Claudia and Janine and help like Claude, like, because oh, yeah. like Ashley is this person that Claudia thinks is like the coolest person in the world. And it's like, oh, and she likes Janine. So like, maybe this is an invitation for me to get to know Janine better. <laughs> And, like, a yeah. reminder that, like, there is more to Janine than what I am seeing of her. I think we also see Janine learning to communicate with Claudia as well. Because yes. Janine has also not been the best with Claudia. And mm-hmm. something about Ashley being around is sort of warming her up to mm-hmm. a little bit, giving a little bit more in conversation. Yeah. Um, which is also important. Like, yes, Claudia is dismissive of her feelings a lot and uh, dismissive of herself, but Janine also shuts Claudia out really, really hard. Yeah. I think we can see, like, a a parallel in the two. So, sort of, like, Claudia thinks of Janine as not having feelings. Um, And whereas I think we have the opposite, whereas Janine is, like, hyper, hyper intellectual and intelligent. 
Um, and because Claudia does not like think in that same way or in Excel in the same ways, I think that we can think of Janine as just thinking Claudia is stupid. Yeah. Um, and yeah. thinking Claudia does not have complex thoughts or yeah. um, ideas like, about things. Claudia thinks Be- Janine has no feelings and Janine thinks Claudia has all feelings. And yeah. they're not meeting each other in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think we're we're seeing Janine sort of learn that there are like different ways to be intelligent yeah. and like yeah, and I I like that. Yeah, I hope that we get to see Janine appreciating Claudia's art at some point because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think that would be a really nice thing. <laughs> yeah, um, there's so much more in this season. Um, it's it- really it's worth watching if you've got you know you want to get into the cozy feeling. Uh, just binge it get yourself something nice to drink it's um it's really moving it's really nicely written and uh even if you're not somebody who watches YA stuff the grown-ups have like a good 50% of the storylines yeah <laughs> it's it's such like a good cozy wholesome show yeah it really is um, speaking of cozy, wholesome shows, so while I was thinking about this, there's just one thing I want to give a shout out to, which is mm-hmm. the Saved by the Bell reboot, uh, which mm-hmm. is another young adult thing that is on TV. And we've been watching it because it's like it's it's streaming on Bell 5, which we have through our internet provider. Okay. But um, it's available-ish. I think it's a lot more available in the States than it is here. Mm-hmm. If you can watch that... It's so good. It's like the same line of like kind of funny, irreverent reboots, but like real queer and real diverse. And Josie Toda is a treasure. Josie Toda is like, oh my God. Um, She ended up like executive, not executive producing, but like producing quite a lot on the show, I think, and has driven mm-hmm. a lot of the narratives around Uh, especially trans teens and queer teens and she gets to be a trans girl who uh, does not have to talk about trauma or being trans all the time and just gets to exist and be a hot mean girl Um, and like date guys who knew her before she transitioned and nobody makes a big stinking deal about it Uh, and it is so refreshing and I love Josie Toda and the rest of the cast is also great (laughs) (laughs) but i just wanted to shout that out if you're looking if you finished babysitter's club and you're like i need more that has this kind of heart uh Mm. it's really really good so good cozy show good cozy show we are gonna have a little more content for y'all before we break for the holidays uh but we are gonna break for the holidays because we're taking care of ourselves and then we'll be back in the new year with more stuff Um, Thank you to everybody also who's filled out the guest application form. We have gotten a lot of responses to that. We haven't gone through it yet. Like I said, like in the tweet and in the um, in the form itself, we're looking over these quarterly. So uh, it may be a little while before we get back to you. But that doesn't mean that we're not looking at it. Um, We just are producing a show among four people who all have jobs um so things move slowly over here we plan everything very far in advance but thank you and if you don't know about that form we have an uh, application form um if you want to be a guest it is pinned on our twitter at yeah podcast uh you can find it there and fill it out it's a google form and we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening to yeah 
If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at yapodcast. And individually, I'm at thebalesasaurus. And you are at Pepper Bear. If you like the show, as I hope you do, and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Rashi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating or review on Stitcher or especially Apple Podcasts, uh, by subscribing on Spotify, and really especially by sharing this episode. I cannot overemphasize how much sharing the show helps. Um... Share an episode you liked in your Instagram story, retweet something with a comment about it, tell a friend about us. This is the way that we grow, uh, is by you telling people about us. So if you love it, um, if there's an episode that makes you laugh, uh, please just take the minute and and share it. Um, and we will always reshare you, of course, if you tag us. Well, I mean, please tag us if you don't want us to reshare. <laughs> Just tell us. Um, but really, 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 please do rate, review, and share. It does so much for us, and it will make me feel so good. Uh, sorry, I was just laughing because if you if you don't share, then you're just a mean person who doesn't want Heifer to feel good. So, um, yeah, I mean, if there you're you mean, <laughs> if you're mean, you have to share it with two people. <laughs> no, uh, we don't peer pressure on this podcast. Uh, we peer pressure <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's about young adults after all. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced loosely and very casually by me, Tefra Jenian, and edited very kindly by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network, including a show that I am now hosting and producing on called No Bad Food at UpfordNetwork.com. Bye. I'm Tom Zalatni, host and producer of the No Bad Food Podcast, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or right here on the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ plus community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love.